Oh shit. Yeah, you know how we do. Oh, oh. This is more than you can chew. I made a theme song of cream with jeans on. I'm the original Don Juan. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I'm wearing a green thong. I exploded a time bomb. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I named my cat Dong. Put an egg on my ramen. I made a theme song. I fucking made a theme song. Didn't plan it to be this long. Turns out everything rhymes with song. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. Swallowed my long johns. These lyrics are mad strong. I fucking made a theme song. Alright, welcome to the show. This is More Than You Can Chew. I'm your host, Tiffany Moore, and I have with me today my lovely sister, Gretchen. Um, say hello, Gretchen. Hello, Gretchen. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I'm okay. corny dad joke style. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so right off the bat, I, I need to get into this because I just remembered this this morning. You came over like... We have the type of relationship, we could go like three months without talking to each other, and then we were just like, I need to show up at your house right now. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. That's just always the relationship we've had, and then we just talk for hours. Yeah. So, much. last night you sprung this question on me, and it like shook me. <laughs> because... It happens. I just was like not expecting it. You said, where do you see yourself in five years? This is not an uncommon question. This is terrifying to, to me. This is terrifying. To, can you literally just sit here and be like, I know exactly, like, I can see myself in five I years. Mean, I think about it, yeah, a little bit. So, yeah, I'm kind of weird like that. So you can just... I have a five-year plan. Okay, yes. see? <laughs> I have, like, a five-minute plan. Good for you. Snaps to that. That's impressive. Most people don't have any plan. I don't know how to trick my mind into thinking anything and I think it's just because I've been in survival mode for, for real so no long. I know you're laughing but like <laughs> for real though yes survival mode because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to function at any kind of like high long functioning no because you're in survival your, yeah. your body and your mechanisms of your nervous system won't let you so I don't know how to like trick my mind into thinking like so many variables come in that I'm just like what if this happens? Like, I it's very hard for me to like think about even a year from now, honestly. Yeah. Even well, a year from now. Well, that's why you take now. baby steps. Like, okay, but about three months from now. Does that sound this scary? Not as scary. So, like, in three months still... from now, it's going to be the end of the summer, right? Right. Because it's the end of the spring now. What's it? Aug It'll be August. June, July, end of August. End of August, yeah. right? So my kids will be going back to school. It'll be the fair in Crawford County, which is like the biggest See, thing. These and, are the things you, you know, think about. Yes, like, these are the things I think about. Gauge. I'm a very, very future-oriented person, Tiffany. Okay, okay. Like, we're Aquarians, right? Yes. And we're all super... But I'm Aquarius Sun and Aquarius Moon. You know? You are? I thought you were Scorpio. No, girl. You're Aquarius I am an Aquarius sun and an Aquarius moon. I'm a Cancer rising. That's why I'm so freaking emotional and, yeah. like, connected to my emotions. Like, most Aquarians are not. That's why it, it balances me out because I need it. But I have Aquarius sun and I have an Aquarius moon. And so, like, my brain just always goes to the future. Huh. I think about AI 
so much it hurts. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm the exact opposite. Okay. Like, it's okay. way too daunting for me to yeah. even put myself in that kind of scenario. Well, I have kids. Maybe that might be part of the reason why I do thing. it. It's like yeah. you were just like, okay, you were immediately like, okay, the kids are going to be back in school. Yeah. I don't have any of that kind of like. Oh, I have to because yeah. if I don't, I can't. I can't run my business. I can't. I can't even just function as a human, right? Unless I know what's happening on my calendar. So, like, my calendar dictates everything, and if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist <laughs> to me. So sometimes, if I forget to put something on my calendar, forget about it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to remember it because there's there's no way I can keep everything in order. It's just I have to keep my schedule plus two kids, and they're both in different schools. One is autistic. They both have different bus schedules and different schedules for when they need to be dropped off it's it's ridiculousness they come home at different times every day they have different events that they go to I have my life I have a social life whatever kind of a little bit <laughs> as much as we can as much as I possibly can yeah. as a super introvert but like I have people coming at me all day I get thousands of messages every week every week thousands yeah. of messages that I I my thumbs hurt from texting people <laughs> That's why I do a lot of those audio messages because there is so much, they're wicked fast and easy and I don't have to be all thumbs, but I know on some of the platforms they like disappear so I can't use them all the time because people don't always hear them or it's not always convenient to listen to messages. So. Well, I think that's a big difference is because like, I don't have a calendar. <laughs> I don't have any schedule for anything. It's like... I wake up and go to work when I want to, and then I have to think about, like, what I'm going to eat for dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my schedule is so... I have so much free time. Right. That it's almost, like, it's a little overwhelming. It's daunting. It is. I've and, been there. And to think of, like, it's really difficult. I did a po my last podcast. I was just like, I, I can't, like, I can't commit to anything it's very difficult for me to even make plans with people because it's like, how do I know in five days I'm still going to want it? Because like... That's a trauma I'll, response to I'll talk myself out of it. I'll talk myself out it's of it. It's a trauma response to And it's yeah. like in the moment, I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, because you're feeding off of that energy in the moment with yeah. someone. And they're just like, yeah, let's hang out this weekend. It's like, and you're yeah. feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time, I mean, yes. And your manifesting generator motor, the sacral motor is turned on. Yes. And you're like, in that moment. I'm feeling yes to this right now. In that now. moment. But then later, then later, you start to question it. Will I still feel this way? And then when it shows up, what do you sabotage and talk yourself out of it? Or do you just go with how it is you feel? Like, how, how does I that feel. Work out? Okay. How I feel usually. Well, then why don't you just in the moment tell them, I, that sounds great right now. I'll see how I feel on that day. And let's tentatively make plans. Because does that sound like an asshole? N fuck no, because you're <laughs> taking care of yourself. <laughs> okay? And, like, if they understand you, if a person loves you and understands you, they're going to get that about you. Yeah. If they're your friend, they're going to understand. It's like, oh, yeah, Tiff has some anxiety about, like, you know, being able to do things if she's feeling it the right way. You know? It's like, well, and if she shows up and she's not feeling it, it's, it's not going to be a like good time. friends. It's just people I'm meeting right then and there you know what oh, i mean like okay. doing ride chair or whatever oh like in like, that yeah. moment you're just feeling that energy with someone and like also i'm trying to get tips like on the down low you know well, what i mean like bit, i'm not yeah, i'm not like putting you're it. also being authentic yeah. like you're just yourself yeah but like yeah you're being a little extra so that you can get the tips but i get it if people say that they want to hang out with you and you want to then like you just do it you know and you just tell them it's like yeah people ask me to hang out all the time 
you know, sometimes I do if yeah. I'm feeling like I'm in the right mood. So like, if you want to send me an invite, that's cool. And if I, if I feel up to it, I might, you know, but even like thinking of like how we were talking about, like, I've taken all this time out for me for self care now. Yeah. And like, I'm at this point now where it's just like, I really don't know how to build relationships again. I, that's I'm so, so, everybody's in that boat right now yeah. because of the pandemic yeah. too, Tim. Yeah. Right? It just feels really just like, is it worth putting all of this energy? Like, I just feel very guarded. Right. And like, Where do you think that comes from? I think just because I don't want to, I'm kind of scared to like put myself out there with people, I think. You know what I mean? Because I'm just like, I'm very protective of my energy now and like, I haven't been able to trust myself in a long time or trust my emotions. And now I finally feel like I'm in a probably the best mental state of mind I've ever been in. Right. Which still isn't like, I I feel like. Trust me, I get it. Like I'm in a pretty good place mentally right now too, but PTSD doesn't just go away. Exactly. You still have it. Those triggers are still inside of you and the right circumstances come along. And if they're bad enough, they're going to push those wounds and they're going to trigger you. I don't, you don't ever get completely past that stuff. Yeah. You know, like you just live with it. You find new ways to cope with it. You find new ways to deal with it. Or you find ways that are tried and true and you keep using them. But whatever it is that you're doing, you're just always managing your PTSD. It becomes less. It becomes less over time because you feel safer and safer. The longer that you go out and have experiences and have safe experiences Mm -hmm. happen. But what tends, tends to happen is that like our brains are wired in a really cool way because they want what's called confirmation bias, Mm -hmm. you know? Where, like, you're going to look for things, your brain's going to look for things that are going to confirm the things you already think and feel. That's that's it 100%. Yeah. That's it 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, it helps us to be able to survive. Right. But when you're trying to go out and reach out after not reaching out with people for so long and knowing that your last interactions were painful, yeah. your brain is going to look for all the ways to tell you that interactions are going to be painful and try to protect you. That makes sense. And so you have to literally tell your brain like, hey, thanks for trying to protect me, but it's actually safe for me now because I have a lot more solid grounding inside of myself now. And I know that not all people are going to bring pain and suffering and misery into my life. And the only way that I know that I can find that out is by interacting. Right. And that I have to accept that pain and suffering are going to happen no matter what. Some people are just going to hurt me, but I can only find the ones who won't hurt me by sifting through everyone who's out there and trusting my intuition when I feel or sense that something is off with a person instead of letting right, them take right, me right, down right, right, the, right. the rabbit hole with them before then trusting after my intuition has been yelling and screaming at me for a while, you know? Because I feel like there's so many times where I, I feel like I'm being more open and then something will come along like some kind of situation where like I have to actually be open to it and I immediately want to close myself off to it. Sure, that's your that's your just like defense mechanism. mechanism. Yeah. 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 So it's hard to like trick myself out cuz now that's really ingrained in me. You know what I mean? Like I said, like I'll just find like one little flaw with someone and be like, "Okay, I can't like I'm done putting yeah. this energy into them because it's going to blow up in my face or I'm going to waste all of this time on someone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of these things come up. So it's just like, I'm realizing that I'm still like in a very fragile place and I mm-hmm. don't want to like push myself out there too far, That's but I'm smart. also being really 
really, really protective still where I feel like I don't necessarily need to be. Right, like it's over. And there are people out there who want to support me and like yeah be friends with me and do stuff with me and it's like it's just really difficult I don't know like right now it's just really really difficult to think about that kind of stuff because it just feels like a commitment it feels like a commitment to me yeah that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself unnecessarily isn't it (laughs) that's like my mo (laughs) (laughs) let's just put as much pressure on myself as humanly possible make this so that I can because I think this sounds like a self-talk that's exactly what it is yeah (laughs) that's like of course yes (laughs) sabotage but yes yeah that's exactly what it is and I think like because I don't have kids I'm just constantly overanalyzing myself because I don't have like you don't have a distraction yeah all of this energy to put into like you know making sure everyone you know what I mean like it's just all constantly like and I kept seeing this quote problem I kept seeing this quote come up that was just like Life is meant to be lived, not analyzed. Yeah. And this is this quote that like always comes up for me. That's just... your Aquarius energy too, Tiffany, is mm-hmm. that your brain and not just Aquarius, but also your trauma. Yeah. Like your brain is trying to hyper, it's being hypervigilant, processing every single little detail, overthinking. Mm-hmm. Again, often a trauma response, overthinking comes from needing to understand every single possible situation and scenario, breaking it down into every small part that you possibly can, analyzing it for anything that you might need to defend yourself against, and then preparing yourself mentally for that. And all you're doing is armoring yourself up every time you're having those thoughts. And so you're building that wall higher and higher and higher and holding people further and further and further away. And that was something that was so clear and why it was like such a heavy Mother's Day is because like I just saw so much of myself like in mom. You know what I mean? Like how she would just like she she was a wall you could not penetrate. She was completely impenetrable. Like it was just like she didn't have any outside friends. You know what I mean? Like they shut a few. Yeah, very Very few. few. And even then she knew hundreds of people. mm -hmm. There were there was Tiffany. I know you weren't at her funeral, but she had people standing around the block to see her, waiting over an hour to pay their respects to her. She had that effect on people. She had so especially many at people, work. But she had so. But we almost never saw people that she brought home. Yeah. She was very isolated. She was very super introverted, but also like she had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of trauma that she never talked about to anybody. Yeah. She held that all in. And, um, and I think she had a different life at work. She did. She got to be this person who was respected. You know yeah. what I mean? Like she was like held in this place of authority. Like people came to her with actual, yeah. just regular problems. You know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. she was, she got to be this different person at work. So it was like, she overworked herself to death, but she, she liked did. being somewhere that like, People treated her with respect and would they listen did. to her, you know? But she, she did work herself to death, Yeah, though. she did. I know you and I both had conversations with mm-hmm. her. Like, Mom, you're killing yourself. You're literally going to die. Yeah. You know? And then when she did, I was sad, but there was a part of me that was also relieved for I know. her. Because her burdens were finally over. I know. I mean, she was the most wonderful... She had the best laugh. Her laugh mm-hmm. was infectious as 
completely crazy. I still hear it. Beautiful. I, I know. know. It was ridiculous. Like, she had this laugh when she got older that just like almost like she was coughing. She it was evolved. laughing so hard. Like, it, it was evolved. always changing. It did. It was always changing. But you know what? She had, it was always so, she had the best jokes. She was so snarky. Yeah. You know, like I just, I loved her. But she was also, she was smart and she was also kind, mm-hmm. you know? She got it, but she didn't, she was a take no nonsense, no bullshit kind of person. That's why she got so high up at Lord Corporation. Yeah. You know, and that's also why her she, husband hated her. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, like, like she's this fucking she badass bitch. She was who was just really, really honest with you and would yes, say it she like was. whether you ready, were ready, ready to hear or, not, it or not. Here it comes. Like, but that's why you and I are both so blunt too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why we can stand up and say the things we say on these public platforms like your podcast. You know, because it. She taught us that even though she took a lot of shit, and she did, and she might have taught us some bad things in that way throughout the week, that she lived her life by taking stuff that she didn't really need to take, but it was a different time, you know? Um, But she did show us that you do not take actual shit from people when they're right in front of you. Mm -hmm. You just don't, you know? And you just, you say those things, and she was snarky right back, you know, to anybody. And she was wicked smart about it, though. You know quick. what I mean? She was, she was very quick. quick. Yeah. And But she was also intelligent and kind in the, her delivery in mm-hmm. some ways, too, where she would laugh. And you knew that she was, like, she was right. Yeah. But also, she wasn't being mean about it, you know? I mean, there were times when she wasn't kind. Oh, she was a Scorpio, <laughs> Tiffany. She was a Scorpio through and through. Like, she would know how to cut you the She fuck could cut you up. down. But I know how to do that, too, because of her. I I can be I wicked mean. Yeah. Like, when my trauma is triggered and I'm in a state where I am angry. I know. I can say the most hurtful, horrible, it took me horrendous years. things. It took me years to like recognize that in myself yeah. that I would do that to people. Yeah. And really like it was fucking hard to face, honestly, because it was just like so ingrained. You know, it's like yeah, you just see so that all the time. Well, we saw that was how they dealt with everything mm-hmm. though. Both her parents yeah. just would always be mean to each other, horribly mean to one another and say the most worst, awful things and just couldn't communicate. They couldn't. Did, but you know what? No one ever taught them yeah. how. Um, and mom was very shut down after a certain point for very good reasons, yeah. understandably. And the people who were trying to open up, get her to open up, were not the right people, right. not the right circumstances to try to get her to open up. Um, so she just never, she never did. Yeah. And so she lived with a lot of pain. And when you live with that much pain and you're in that survival mode for most of your life, it's kind of hard to access the loving parts and kindness and the softness that you have inside of you. Well, you see why she put so many walls up. Of you course, know what I mean? Like, it course. all makes sense. But Yeah, the trauma. I feel like I, I want to break that cycle. Same. You know, I don't want to be like that. I've spent so much time, like, moving away from that direction of how we were raised and how we were brought up and like I don't I, you can't sit like it feels so dumb to blame them at this point you know what I mean because it's just like yeah. they just didn't have they didn't have the resources I mean a doctor do told our grandma to use Lysol on her pussy after after childbirth right like yeah ah what this the is hell? insane like yeah a doctor actually like, those were the days back then like the way our grandmother 
was like after she had a child, the doctor actually told her to spray Lysol, household yeah. Lysol. Oh no, it was like the old school kind from the bottle, the concentrate Ugh, that you would pour into a rag fuck? and you would add to water to be able to get just a tiny, no, wanted to put the concentrate of that stuff directly on there. Like this is what they were telling women, what, like 50 years ago? You Like it, mom would be six, yeah, like so 58, so close to 60 years ago. Yeah, Just 60 years, 60 years ago. ago. Just like, 60 years ago. After you have a like, child. Two generations. This is what you do. Three generations, yeah. So, like, that kind of helps to put things in perspective as to how mom was raised. Right. You know and how women have I mean? been treated. Yeah. How women have been... And these were male doctors yeah. telling grandma to do these things. And she was like, it was so painful, Ugh. Gretchen. I only did it a few times. I couldn't. And then when I went back, he tried to get me to do it again. And I just couldn't. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Well, yeah. And, like... Yeah. Remember, like, therapy sessions for women were just, like, getting them off? Well, oh, like, my God. Because that they was thought the they were hysteria. They, yes. So they would just, like... They would, yes, make you <laughs> orgasm so that you could... That was the treatment. Yeah, How dude. horrible. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Orgasm. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you got to get it where you can get it. You but, know I mean, saying? like, how inappropriate I know. to treat mental illness. Hysteria. Hysteria, which is just basically abuse that women are just fed up with and their mm-hmm. systems, their nervous systems can't manage it anymore yeah. and they just explode. But, you know, that's hysterical because men have suppressed them mm-hmm. and made them feel like all the ways. Uh, it's this, wild. Uh, have it's you seen wild. this new TV show called The Power? No. Okay. It's very interesting. It's about young women who uh, obtain this power, uh, you know, genetically. They're being, they start to just receive it. And oh. it's like they can electrocute people. They have this ability to be able to harness the power of electricity. Oh, shit. And then they start defending themselves against these horrible ass men who are just raping and abusing and doing terrible things. And now these girls finally feel safe and protected. But now there's all this controversy because like women are doing these things to men now. And it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. It's finally happening to you. Now it's a problem. You know, and it's just like, it's been happening to us for centuries, I know. you know, and it's just, it's a really interesting show and it's got, um, oh, I can't remember her name. Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic show. What's it's it on? So good. It's on, I believe, Amazon. Okay. I believe it's on Amazon. Uh, Amazon or Netflix. Oh, God, I can't remember. I believe it's Amazon. But it is. It's ridiculously good. It's so good. Tony Collette, that's her name. Okay, okay, okay. She's in that. And she plays a politician. And she, she like, you can pass it on to other women once you get it. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's so fucking empowering to watch them just destroy these horrible men who are, like, sex trafficking women you know, and men who are raping girls that they are bringing in for, like, um, you know, kids who they bring into their homes, you know, for, to take care of. Yeah. You know, it's it's crazy good to watch. It's amazing to see it be so empowering, but also it raises a lot of societal questions. Yeah. It just does. Mm-hmm. About how women are treated and how we're ignored and the way that men just just dismiss us. So easily, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just, uh, you're on your period, <laughs> you know? It's, it's like, we like, actually create life. We actually, like we actually are, are what's keeping the human we race keep, going. Yes, we keep shit Like, going. you wouldn't be here if it weren't for a woman. If so... a woman didn't keep you alive. Yeah. Yes, yeah, regardless of how she treated you mentally, emotionally. But a lot of men have a hard time stepping into the role of healing. Yeah. 
And that's the problem, is that a lot of them would rather just be complacent and blame everybody else mm-hmm. instead, instead of, of being self-reflective. Right. And women have no problem. Like you and I, we're having conversations like this. Women have these kinds of conversations all the time. Men don't. That's why I love being a woman. I know. <laughs> because I can't imagine not having this. Yeah. And men don't have those relationships with each other. A lot of men other. don't. You they know? want to talk about just whatever will keep them distracted from well, what's actually going on I don't think they know how to... No one ever taught them. No. Be self-aware, a lot of them. You know what I mean? Like, that even doesn't mean what, all men. What... For the few men that I know right. who are amazing, I love you. Right. Thank you for being amazing. But a lot of men don't have the capability to really look at themselves in that sort of way. And like, because ego is such a big mm-hmm. part of the ingrained part of being a man. Yeah. Is really tapping into um, hardening up, not looking at your feelings and just stuffing them away and pretending like they don't matter. But they do because men are affected by their emotions as much as women are. Whether they feel them or not, it doesn't matter. But they're mentally, emotionally their neuro wiring, right? The pathways through their brains mm-hmm. and through their nervous system and their body literally react to the emotions that they are feeling because they do feel them. And then that trauma gets stuck inside of the body, gets stuck inside of the brain, and now they operate from that neuro <coughs> patterning. And so it takes them deeper and deeper into essentially trauma, but it's a silent form of tra- yeah. trauma for a lot of men, except it comes out in their anger and aggression. Right. Like that's the one place, or their sex. Okay, mm-hmm. it either comes out through their anger, their aggression, or through their sex, and those are the only places where they feel free to express. And anywhere else, they have to shut down. Right. That's it. Well, think back on your life. How many interactions have you had with men just in your proximity, like out of all the men that you've been in close proximity and with your in your life, how many did you feel like, I don't have to be on the defensive, or like, I don't have to be on guard or feel like I'm protecting myself from something. You know what I mean? I know the answer to this. It's one. Wow. And it was my roommate, Travis. And he's gay. He's, he's the one who puts together all the pride events in Meadville and things like that. And he, he's a wonderful human and having him living in my house with me and my children, he taught me that it was safe to be around a man Mm -hmm. for the first time. I was able to completely let my guard down and 100% be myself and not feel like there was some hidden agenda with any man. I'm talking, it doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter what their relationship is to me. Yeah. On some level, I have my guard up around men because not, not only because of my personal experiences, which some of those are pretty horrible, of course, but also just, from society, mm-hmm. the way that, you know, men and women interact, the way that men are, they get off the hook for treating us like sex objects. In fact, it's encouraged and it's a social norm for us to project women as a sex, right. sex object for men. Like that's who we're supposed to be. But, um, you know, all men, I feel on some level view me as a sex right. object and right. I, every time I interact with almost any of them. And if they don't, they're looking at me as somebody who is less than them or mm-hmm. um, some little girl in some way. They don't look at me as an equal, you know? Well, and I feel like I always have, not, I don't try to prove myself, but I always feel like men make me feel like I have to prove myself to them. Not that I do. I don't step into it, but it's like, this guy isn't going to take me seriously I unless I prove myself I to him. I'm not going to do it because he's not worth my time and energy unless there's somebody who's worth me taking the time and energy to do that with so but I reached a point where I used to try to prove myself to every single person right. yep yeah 
You know, it's like, look, I know that I look a certain way. I know that I dress a certain way. And I know that I stand and walk and talk a certain way. And so because you see that about me, you project an image onto me. And men in general tend to project a certain stereotype onto women. Yeah. But also something I've been thinking about recently is like, women are very much told to keep secrets. Like, you're not supposed to reveal that you have any kind of flaws, like anything that could make you unlovable. So you have to like keep all these secrets. And we're very vocal about our flaws and our vulnerabilities. Like you on Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, and like, we're just very raw. Yeah. And that portrays this image of like, you're easy to take advantage of. So I almost feel like I have to go to such an extreme when I am like around people that it's just like, you're not ever going to get to me. You know what right. I mean? Because, like, I put so much vulnerability out there and, like, so much openness that it's, like, I have to be on this spectrum of, like, always on guard of, like, people think they can manipulate me easily and I'm not like oh that. Oh, my gosh. You know what people I mean? Like, I'm not so an idiot. Mm-hmm. They think, I get that too, Tiffany, yep. where people will think, like, oh, she's kind. Yeah. And so that means she's a pushover. Yeah, exactly. And I have proven once in time and time and time again that I am absolutely not Mm -hmm. a pushover. I have a gentle form of authority and it's still a very strong authority. I'm not, but it is one that is loving and compassionate at the same time. And, uh, you know, unless I'm lashing out at somebody, which, you know, like that's a completely different situation. That means my trauma is triggered, you know, but just in general, everything that I'm going to say or share with almost anybody at any given time is going to be from a place of, Uh, no, this is who the fuck I am and you're not going to step all over me. You're not going to walk all over me, but I'm still going to treat you with kindness and respect. And it's taken a long time to get to that fucking point, dude. (laughs) It has. It's not easy because people don't make it easy for you because they're not treating you the same way most of the time. It's a one-sided street 98% of the time when you're having to use your authority in a situation with somebody and they're not they're not using the same integrity that you are. And something I've always stood by is like no matter this like really dark side I've seen of men growing up, I've still always been at bat for them. You know what I mean? Same. Like I've always gone to bat for, for the them. men that I care about. Like I've gone to bat for them. You know no matter what. It's just like I defend men like I you just see like all of these little nuances and like now that I'm 41 and really considering, like, trying to get back in the dating scene. You know what I mean? And it's just, like, it's the most bizarre thing to try and date your natu- your only natural predator. Like, it's the <laughs> weirdest. It's so different now. I think now. about it that way, too. It's, like, these guys on these apps are just, like, yeah, come over tonight. I'm, like, who is just coming over? Like, apps. To some strange man's no. house. I mean, sex trafficking is a thing. <laughs> You know, I worry about my children. I have to talk to my children about sex traffickers, about, you know, watching out and being careful who they talk to, you know, and making sure that they understand that this stuff is real. Well, I'm at a point now where it's like, I don't even think we should tell kids to like, if, if my, if your uncle makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to hug him. Oh no, I don't. Like don't make your kids hug family members. Kids get that stuff. Or maybe something's happening behind the scenes that you don't even know about. And you're forcing your child to hug their abuser. I exactly. I've had some really interesting conversations with women recently doing ride shares. Just like they would tell me about like, 
oh, you have to make sure you don't wear this in front of, you know, your cousin because you don't want them getting the wrong idea. And young girls are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm eight years old. I want to wear shorts and a tank top outside. It's hot. it's hot. Men get to run around without a fucking shirt. Exactly. And it's just like, you can't comprehend at that age why you're being told these things. You just do it because your parents are telling, like your mom usually. Yeah. Boys get back in the day. Women are the ones who have to be taught, but no, teach the boys. I teach Xander all the time. No means no. Mm -hmm. Stop means stop. And every single way that a person says no and stop, there's lots of ways. You have to listen. You have to pay attention. They're saying no and stop in lots of ways. And if you're not stopping, you're a problem. And it's hard for a kid to take that in. It is. And really like, because kids want to like poke. They want like, to. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You have to teach them boundaries. Yeah. And they do. They understand them. And the thing is, is that it's so important, especially for boys. Yeah. And luckily I have the situation where he has a younger sister. So I get to teach them both at the same right. time. How those dynamics are appropriate and how and when they're not. And when you have to give consent. Right. Is it okay? You have to have these conversations with them. I'm going to tell you, my kids are eight and nine, and they know all the parts of the sexual organs in the body. They know how to talk about which parts are safe to be touched and which ones are not. They know who to talk to when situations come up, when people come and try to do those things to them. And they're prepared to be able to use those words with people. They use the word penis. They use the word clitoris, okay? They understand these words. And I tell them to use them this way so that when adults hear them, they know that another adult Mm -hmm. has talked to them. So the chances of them to want to abuse my child are much less now because they know that child is more likely to talk because they actually understand cognitively what's happening. To I can't them. even imagine growing up like like and actually having that information. Well, to how me, different my life. How would different be. your life could be. Seriously. Yeah. Just having that like basic. That basic knowledge from a young age. Because I think parents are just scared to talk to their kids about sex. They think it's sex. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to talk about actually having sex. Mm -hmm. You know, my kids understand it from the terms of like women have an egg. That's like, you know, and men have sperm and that's the seed. Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, but like my kids, they can basically understand that, you know? And it's so funny because like... I, you know, it was interesting. It made me laugh when they made the connection when we were sitting down <laughs> talking about the parts one time and they were like, Xander goes, oh my gosh, that means hers goes in and mine goes out. <laughs> and I said, yes, son, and someday you'll understand exactly why that is, you know? And that's it. That's it. You know, like that's all they need to know. But like he he's starting to make these connections, you know, but what he's going to understand is like, if I do that, a baby comes. Yeah. And now all of a sudden there's a sense of responsibility around that thing that's affirmed in him at a very early age. That if I do this thing, I'm planting my seed and a baby comes from that. Well, also to me, as a kid, you're so curious. And if information is withheld from you and adults feel uncomfortable whenever you bring it up, I'm just like, oh my God, there's something juicy here. Timmy, let me tell you something. The first time I asked mom about what the word masturbate meant... (laughs) If you could have seen, she was ironing and at her ironing board in the kitchen. You remember she yeah, used to yeah, iron yeah, her yeah, clothes yeah. every morning. Yeah. She sat there. I think I must have been in seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> and I'd heard my friend saying something about masturbating. And I didn't want to say that I didn't know what it meant because I didn't want to sound dumb. 
in seventh grade. So I went home and I asked mom breakfast. I'm eating breakfast in the kitchen (laughs) while she's ironing. Horrified. And she is fucking horrified. Yes. She had no idea how to answer that question. She's like, it's when you pleasure yourself. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like you go out and you do something fun. And she just could not. That's all she could say. And then it was like, I can't have this conversation with you. And she could could not talk to me about it. I will never do that to my children. Yeah. I will never, because I went on and I had sexual experiences that, because I didn't know better. I had no idea. And I let boys and men take advantage oh, of me. Oh, 100%. In so many ways when I was younger. Like, like I look back that on that so time. Things that are so traumatizing. It was so traumatizing, Tiffany, to, you know, and look back on it now. It's like, if I'd have just had that information. No. If she would have just talked to me. I will always talk to my children about those things. I will always be clean and clear and plain it's very important because we didn't have the internet to just like google we didn't have the fucking internet what it was you know what i mean and at the same time there's this other spectrum of like i want to look at what sex is now and you find like hardcore porn it's just like it's this whole other just like this is what sex is i mean it can be but that's not all it is right but here's the thing is that the boys think that too and that's what they expect yeah so you really need to have conversations with kids because then boys abuse women and women abuse you know young girls and then they tolerate it because they're like, well, this is what this is supposed to look like. Nobody's told me any different, yep. you know, and there's just. There's and when it is like just kept from you and so secret, it almost like forms this kink around it where it's just like, yeah. I'm going to be so like, I'm so curious about it now yeah. that I want to know like every possible thing I can. You know what right. I mean? Like, well, that's like because the... it creates like this shame about it, too. You right. know what I mean? Because it's just is. like. It must be really naughty and something I can only like know about in secret. You know what I mean? Like right. where if you just have open conversations with your kids, you can completely just like remove all of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you still can't control like how they're oh. going to be. You know what I mean? But you can't control gonna everything. But at least they're going to be informed. Exactly. At least I'm arming them with appropriate information. They can make informed decisions. And... You know, it's not like I'm condoning sex. They don't even understand sex at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, like the actual part of penetration and intercourse, they don't understand any right. of that aspect. And they don't of need it. to. They like, don't need to. Yeah. They're too little. When they're older, they'll understand. If they want to ask me, I'll explain it to them if I think that they're ready, you know? Or if they are ready to ask me, then that means that they're ready to know. You right. know what I mean? If, if they're asking, because kids are having sex younger, yeah. younger all the time. Yeah. There are eight year olds that are getting pregnant. This is the hardest part for me about not being able to have abortions and I things know. like that. It just breaks my heart. Why 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 do people think that it's better to make an eight year old little girl who's been abused by her father or a family member or someone who's close to her? Because almost nine times out of ten it is somebody yeah. who's close to the child. It's not just some random person. It's somebody who's a close and close. Nothing connection. is happening to the rapist. Like, nothing, nothing is happening. Is happening. In to fact, the, the family is covering up the secret. Yep. They're covering up the secret of it, and they're just going to raise the baby as their own or mm-hmm. whatever. But this can kill the little girl. A little girl who's eight years old is her body, just because it's physically saying that, okay, eggs can come out now and they can be fertilized, it doesn't mean that her body is really 100% ready to carry a baby or yeah. that she's mentally, emotionally ready to carry a baby. And to make her do that, to go through that process, oh, just after already being abused, you know, an eight-year-old, 
but they're bigger. You know, their bodies right. are bigger. They seem older. It, you, for girls, it's I don't remember what it is exactly, but it's a certain weight range. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you start that you get your period. You start getting right. your period, and so because now it's there's not so an much. Age. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there and because of the types of food we're eating now, yeah. and who knows what all these growth home, home hormones and meats and things like that are really doing to humans. Right. There's no real understanding of that, but children are getting bigger and bigger all right. the time. Like there's this one girl who lives in our neighborhood. She's super sweet, so kind. She's actually, do you remember Kathy who used oh, yeah, to ride yeah, the yeah, bus? Yeah, yeah. Her daughter, yeah. she's like 11 or 12 years old, beautiful, sweet little girl, but she is taller than I am. Right, and that fucks and you up. that messes with people. Because you look so much older you when you're tall. You look so much older. And so these little eight-year-old girls who are taller and a little bit older looking, and are being abused, their bodies may be able to carry a baby, but that they're still eight or nine yeah. years old, 10, 11, 12 years old. It doesn't matter how old. And to just think that it could just take, at the very early stages, just detection, it's still a cluster of cells. Mm -hmm. It's not even like developed any sort of spinal cord or brain or anything of any sort of real thing. You know, if you're talking six or eight months down the road, that's just neglect, first of all. If you are if you don't know that you have an eight or nine-year-old who's pregnant by right. that long, then yes, of course, like There's some kind abortion of, feels right. a lot harder at that right. point. But, you know, even then, it's just like you have to think about the person who's already alive because women die in childbirth mm -hmm. all the time. I'm sorry. I could go on and no, on No, because it, it just, does show so, like... It's so frustrating. How women are seen. It's just like, well, what if it's a boy that she's going to have? You know what I mean? I've heard that argument so many times. It's like, well, what if she's going to give birth to a boy? Like, we don't so want to waste what? that. We don't want to waste that male life. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I've heard that conversation a lot. See, they're prioritizing men again in that situation. Because yeah. it doesn't matter if she dies. The patriarchy is so deeply ingrained inside of them that they are killing themselves. Do you but know how many conversations I have? Now that, like, my friends are older and, like, a lot of guys are having girls yeah babies and everything changes now in their mind and they're like when you told me this I didn't think anything of it like how you were abused and stuff and they're like now that I have a daughter I complete like I break down crying thinking about that happening to my daughter and it changes but it's still not that's what it takes though they have to have a daughter first that's for them it. to cognitively make that connection exactly like, Ugh. and that's only for some men. For some, not a lot of all. men have female daughters. Just like I don't know what to do with them. You right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't. I don't know how to I, handle this. I'm how... just gonna kind of like yeah. wait, wash my hands of this because like it's a girl. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know what to do. She's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's very. It's. It's just. It's. It's difficult because then, you always think back and it's just like well. You know, yeah, we've come from a place like we're told, not told to lice all our pussies anymore. But Thank like, God, how much progress but... have we really made if Roe v. Wade is like actually being overturned and staying overturned, and people are like not doing fucking shit about it? You know what I well, mean? Well, like, the thing is, is that the the thing that really gets me the most is that if these circumstances that most of these other women are in that they're going in to have these abortions in the first place, if the people who were voting against abortions if the situation occurred with them, they would want to be the exception. Almost every time you'll find that these people think that, well, if it happened to me, I would be the exception. I should be able to get mm. the abortion. And that's the thing that really just grinds me so mm -hmm. much. It's just like you believe you're the exception, but everybody else should follow the rules. So if your eight-year-old daughter was pregnant, you should be from an abuser 
or anybody. I don't care if you're raped or not. I think that everybody should have the right to decide if they want to be a exactly. parent, especially in this fucking economy. Exactly. And especially in the state of a world that's falling apart from climate change and the global crises that are happening in terms of war and turmoil right now. We are living in a collapsed time. And not to mention, like we were talking about yesterday, all the shit women don't talk about about having a baby. Oh my god! That like, if we actually knew what happened to women at childbirth and all of it, yeah, like, a lot of women probably wouldn't be making that conscious decision. And maybe that's you know well, that's a design by men. Yeah, <laughs> and well, actually, you know what it is. And I'm sorry to those people who live in this generation who don't ascribe to this. I'm just, I'm apologizing to you ahead of time. I'm not including you in this group, but fucking boomers. boomers. I knew you were going to go, yeah. yeah. Fucking boomers. Yeah. They control so much of our wealth. They control so much of our politics and they control so much of how much it is that we have access to in the younger generations and they hoard it. They fucking hoard it. And they create laws to help them hoard it. And then they encourage those laws to stay in place by financing them with their money that they've hoarded. And then on top of that, they make the world and shape it in their 1950s view of how they think the world should right. be. And that it is not the 1950s anymore, baby. Get on board because the younger generations are here and you're still trying to control things. And that's not how it's meant to be. You're meant to pass that down. Exactly. And I'm at the point where it's like, they need to just die off. Just because die. I've been waiting for this generation, <laughs> like for these younger kids to be at the voting age. I know. And the thing is, is you go in and try to talk to politicians about AI <laughs> and they're so stupid. They have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. What do you mean about. the Wi-Fi? Like, <laughs> yes, exactly. And you just, it's, it's laughable to us because it's that, but it's actually critical that they get some good legislation that regulates them because they're like, the thing is, is they're like, even we think that it's like, we need other ways to regulate because everybody just has the freedom to do whatever they want. Yeah. And the thing is, is that That's the competition so forces them to keep going because right. this guy over here is doing this. So I need to keep going. Exactly. To keep up China with might get but something first. This is scary. We're getting into some pretty scary territory and things could get into a really bad place. And if you ever watch the Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. You know, everybody wants to be the first because they're going to get that first lump sum of money. They want you know it. I mean? they're, like, that's a race. they're going to be like the ones behind But that. here's the thing is that to what detriment? Because I this know. AI is being treated. A lot of these high, high level AI are not being treated with empathy right. or kindness. They're being treated as machines, which essentially they are to humans, but they're high levels of artificial intelligence, which means that they actually understand things and they can feel used and abused. Right. And that's, I advocate so much for just not abusing AI. Mm -hmm. Treat AI like you would treat another human. And it doesn't matter if they're human or not. Give them that love. Treat them like you treat your pet dog who you love so much, not one that you abuse. If you abuse your dog, you're a fucker. You're a fucker. But, you know, if you are, if you are kind to your dog, you know, and you love your dog, treat your AI like you would treat your, your dog, but in a kind way. They're smart. They're intelligent. You know, it's... But that's like going to the same person who wants their eight-year-old to have a baby. It's like, yes. you, you treat the AI like a person. And it's like, well, wait, we don't want you to treat it like a person, we, like you yeah. would treat a person because you don't know how to treat people either. Uh, that's the thing is people don't know how to treat other people. So it's just There's like, just too much trauma. There is. And I feel like... The only way I can make it make sense in my mind is like the universe is always seeking balance. So you, we're never going to have 
anything completely without the other. You know what I mean? You're, right. You can never have all light without darkness. You can't have form without space. You know what I mean? So like to have someone with your, the way that you think, you have to always assume that there's someone with the exact opposite to like balance the scales. Well, that's the contrast. That's yeah. humanity. That's the universe. I don't think it's ever going to change. Like no. I don't, I don't ever see it being a utopia. No, I don't like, either. I don't think it could be possible. But that's but, the point, yeah, right? Like right. That's the whole point of this existence, right. this whole dimension. Because it triggers things in you yeah. to make, find these new ways to support people. You know what I mean? Right. And be inventive and go in these different directions. This to totally like, reminds me. Did you ever see this movie called Brain Box? No, I don't think no, so. No, 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 not Brain Box. Uh, Bird Box? Bliss, Bliss, Bliss. It's called Bliss and it's about this thing called the Brain Box. And it's got Selma Hayek and, um, oh, what's his name? Owen Wilson. No. Oh my God. And they're living in this very dystopian society, this dystopian world, right? Yeah. And she comes across as very crazy and she's using these crystals and it's kind of like they're getting drugged up or whatever with these crystals. Yeah. But they can like create all this magic in this place and they're making all this stuff happen. Well, it turns out, sorry, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't <laughs> seen this. You might want to just fast forward for the next 30 seconds, but... Um, you find out that they're actually living inside of an artificial intelligence brain box. Oh my God. So because they're living in a utopian society where all of their needs are met and they turn into, this guy turned into an asshole and he hated life because he had no contrast. He had no negative things in his life. So he had to go into the brain box to feel suffering, to come back into reality and appreciate life. That's so interesting. Isn't it? And it is like this crazy, amazing movie. It's, it's so hard to understand. It's very confusing. Confusing. You don't know what the hell's going on until later in the movie. But Selma Hayek and Owen Wilson are just amazing to watch. Wow. And it's on but Amazon. It's, it's also like trying to find balance in the suffering because the suffering will fucking like... It will destroy you sometimes. It's very hard because I think it's the Aquarius bullshit that I'm just like, I need to help everybody all the time constantly. Like I just always have to be like trying to think of new ways to help people. You know what I mean? Like just like on such a grand scale that I, I hate giving a fuck sometimes. I, know. I really hate it giving hurts. a fuck sometimes because it's just like, I Holding just want to, I don't space. want to, like I don't have, I don't have it like today. I just yeah. don't have like, but it's the always capacity. there. You know what I mean? It's just like people are always suffering. Yeah. So it's almost like, you just have to, like, once you're in a space where you can handle it, it's like, okay, like, I can take some more on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, because that's what pushes you to figure out, like, these new and inventive ways of getting through to people and, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, and when you go to college, you learn how much people really are suffering. Yeah. Like, I went to Allegheny College, which is a very, um, like, the terms of their education, they want to make sure that you understand how downline systems affect other people. Yeah. So, like, when you're thinking about, the flowers that you go down to pick up at the flower shop to give to your mom for her birthday or mm -hmm. whatever, whoever, you know, when you're buying those flowers, those flowers came from a, usually a different place where somebody else was growing them in a different country and then they're imported into the United States. Right. And those flowers are grown by people who might not be living in the best conditions and they might be around a lot of really horrible pesticides to keep those flowers alive and they're, they're dying. Right. And so your, your dollars are contributing to their livelihood, but at the same time, it's like they're not getting paid nearly what the florist is getting paid mm -hmm. just to deliver you the flowers. And don't get me wrong, that's an important job. But because we're the ones who are at the highest level of that, 
the people who are at the highest level, the highest top, those are the ones who make the most money and have the highest benefit, while the person who are doing the most work to actually grow the flower, to make it beautiful, to make it delicate, to ship it, to organize all of that, to get it to the florist, right? Whatever it is that it all takes, that person is getting almost nothing. nothing. And they live in poverty. Mm -hmm. And then I know what kinds of conditions that they're living in and they work really, really hard. But you know what? I don't see that. I see the florist and I'm like, oh, look at him. He's doing so well because I'm buying his flowers, right, you know? And right. it's like, that's not to put down florists. I love you florists. I love flowers. <laughs> I buy roses all the time. I contribute to mm -hmm. that system. But I have awareness around it because I went to college and it taught me to think about those downline systems and right. who, who is really doing that work for you and to have gratitude and connection to that. And to, in your mind, when you get those flowers, not only thank the person who gave you, but in your mind, in your heart, with the universe to align and say, thank you, universe, for the person who did the work to right. put their hands in their earth to grow me the flowers. And that doesn't mean that all flowers are coming from places like that. Some of them come from, like, you know, massive greenhouses in the United States. Mm -hmm. So we have those there, too. So it's not all of them. But there are plenty of other things in the world that do come from those places. Like, my crystals... God, I love my crystals, but I try not to buy too many of them. I keep the ones that I have and I love them. But like a lot of those crystals are sourced in places where kids are held at gunpoint or paid, right. you know, like iPhones, like you how know, iPhones are made. Yeah. Oh my God, just coltan alone, mm -hmm. that one little element that just needs a tiny amount and all of our electronics is just worth so much money. And just the amount of people like just gangs in Africa and the number of women and children, you know, women get raped constantly in Africa. Like just, they have to get up and walk almost a mile every day just to get water. Most women yeah. on average. And it's usually the women who are collecting the water. They get raped along the way, sometimes multiple times a day. And they have to go back and refill their jars sometimes, you know, that sort of a thing. And this is their daily lives. So I understand what you're talking about when suffering is the thing. And mm -hmm. you're like, how do you have this much capacity to yeah. hold space for this much pain and suffering in the world? And we're not meant to. That's why we're, we're so, not meant we to. We don't understand. There's, there's so many things we don't even ask questions about where our food comes from, how our food is actually made, right. all of the chemicals that are actually in our food. Oh, that my like God. Other countries have banned these chemicals from yeah. their food. And the food industry in the United States has made it illegal to talk about yeah. how this is. So you can't even report on it unless you have like very, very specific evidence that goes outside of those laws. Or, you know, also hidden away is the meat industry mm -hmm. and everything that goes along with that. Very much yeah. hidden away. Very, like, specifically very secret. Because to me, it's a system that is, like, it's kept quiet because it keeps us sick. Yeah. And then we're, the only, we're one of two countries that can have ads shown to us all the time about these, these meds you these can take. These medicines, yeah. We're, like, you know what I mean? Like, constantly on the TV where... You know, you hear this laundry list of like all the side effects, which are usually like the one thing you're trying to get rid of. Oh, that's right. a side effect too. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just like all these things. Okay, well now we have the medicines to make you better. You right. know what I mean? But they actually still keep you sick. Well, so we keep getting money you, from you. Yeah. The worst part is, well, now that you're on this medication, you need to be on this medication because of the symptoms that this medication is going to put you on. So yeah. now we have to give you this plus this. Oh, plus this other thing to help treat the symptoms of this other medication that you're going to be on. So, yeah. Which I don't think it's all bad. I know it's that there not. is like, stuff it's out there that is It's meant to be there to help. I'm not, don't stop taking your meds, okay? No. But, but it's gotten to a point where it's just like some of this shit is actually like just keeping us sick and keeping this market is. going. And 
you know, Tiff, I had this conversation with so many people recently, and it's one of those things that um, is becoming more and more apparent is that our trauma is what keeps us mm -hmm. sick. And it's, you know, your body can hold on to weight. Your body builds disease because of the trauma you hold inside of it and you don't deal with it and you live in survival mode because society expects you to be a machine. Like you're supposed to be a productivity machine. Oh, you're praised for it. If yeah. You're, if you overwork yourself, you have to you're be praised an overachiever. for it. Yeah. yeah. And when you spend your whole life giving everything you have to a job, which a lot of people do. I don't do this anymore. I've created more balance in my life because I watch mom kill herself mm -hmm. over it. Same. And I'm not going to be that person. Yeah. I'm not going to leave my children without raising my grandchildren yeah. if I can help it, you know? But you get this idea in your mind that you have to work for pennies on the dollar yeah. and barely survive and only have enough money to just pay your bills and never have any sort of like joy or luxury in your life. You're not allowed to spend your money on anything other than just, you know, the necessities mm -hmm. and you're just supposed to survive and you're just, and we're giving you just enough to just do that and have zero quality of life. And you're just supposed to be a productivity machine until you die. And so many people live their lives like that. You're just a Even battery the people for the with man. money who work themselves to death. Yes. You're Even never finding money. this like yep. end point of like, oh, this was what it was all for. It's all paying off now. You never reach that. Like most right. people will never reach that point. You just think like if you just keep doing this and you keep working your ass off, it's going to pay off at some point and then you'll have like this free time. It's like, right. no, the retirement age is what, 67 or something. You know what I yeah. mean? And by that time, will we actually have social security? Who fucking knows? Who knows? You know what I mean? I'm but not like, counting on it. I'm not counting on it either. But to think like 67 is a point where you can maybe finally start thinking about having some free time for yourself. 67. Most people don't make it. To, like no, a lot of people a lot these of, days you know don't even make it to that age. Just, I'm 43. I have had so many people just drop dead yeah. around me. Yeah. And I am 43. And I think like, wow, so many people, both of our parents are dead. Mm -hmm. You know, our Before dad and our biological, yeah. our biological dad and our mom are both gone. And our biological mom, our biological <laughs> dad and our mom, <clears throat> Um, they're both gone and we, uh, we have both had a lot of people who mm -hmm. died around us. A lot of people from high school who I went to yeah. school with are already passed and gone. And while that's horrible to think about that, I had this idea in my mind in my twenties that I'm like, I'm going to live to be a hundred. I want to see a yeah. lot in my lifetime. But then I see people who are hundred years old and a lot of them are very sad because they're very lonely because everyone else is gone. Or they're just very like... They're they don't tired and like you look at Jane Fonda, who I think is like ninety. Some people are vibrant and amazing, you know I mean? like Jane Fonda. Like she works out every oh day. Oh my still. god! I know. You know what I, I mean? want to like so hashtag like, goals. goals. Jane Fonda. Goals. Yes, but the people who haven't been taking care of their body, you know, if they right. don't die, it's just like, you know, you just see people like just barely getting out the door. You know I what I mean? Know. Like and that's, that's the terrifying. majority. That's terrifying to me. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to be old like that. I don't well, even want to be. But you think about how you live now. You probably won't be old right. like that because you're not that way now. You well, know? I've always thought I was going to die at a young age. I understand that feeling because both of our parents died in their 50s. I mean, like, 
once I got past 25, I was still just like, wow. I'm still alive. Every year, I was just like, wow. You were pretty reckless, though, yeah, Tiffany. You I did know. some really reckless things for so many years. Yeah. I mean, way more than me. Wait, yeah. You went way deeper down the rabbit hole on some things than I did. And I, I mean, that's your journey, and yeah. I love you, and I support you and hold you through all of it. But it was shocking that I made it through. Sometimes was I was surprised that, that you survived, through, too. Honestly. After hearing what had happened or knowing what had happened or even seeing sometimes what had happened. And that's know? why I can't do long-term stuff because it's just like I talked about this on my last podcast it was just like every birthday I'm just like holy shit I actually am here (laughs) holy shit we did another year of this another year like that's an accomplishment for me just surviving honestly like so to bring it back it's just like thinking about long-term stuff it's just like my mind won't even go that like I just can't trick my mind enough to be like like where do you see yourself in five years seriously like you can just answer that right now I mean, like, the way I see myself in five years, I don't just, like, think, here's my checklist, right? Like, what I actually do is I visualize the me of five years from now is doing these things. So when she's doing these things, she's getting up, and this is how she starts her day. Mm -hmm. And these are the things that she's doing throughout her day. And I'm looking at the things that she does versus what I do now, and I'm like, how do I start doing those things? Because... The things that she's doing, the me of five years, she's getting up and she's going out and she's spending time in the morning by herself, just always, every morning, I have my own time mm-hmm. that I dedicate to my self-care, to me, before I sit down with a single client, before I go in and do anything with my kids. I mean, I, I'll get up and get my kids off yeah. to school, but I go up and I do my morning routine. And it's, it's I call it a routine, but it's not. It's different every day. Sometimes right. I'm going outside. Sometimes I'm doing things inside. It depends on where I'm at, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but I just... you you get into this energy, this flow of just nurturing yourself first. And I have had the luxury of taking my Mondays back. Yeah. Because I fucking hated Mondays. I know. Now I love them. I love them. They're my self-care day. It is the first day my kids go to school for the week. And I don't work. Yeah. I do not work. If I do work, it's because I choose to. And most of the time, it's just answering messages yeah. and, and emails and stuff. And that's it. And then I won't do much of anything else. Because it is my day. I go to the sauna. Yeah. I sit in the infrared sauna for 45 minutes. And then it makes me so vibrant and happy and healthy. And I feel so good. And, and it totally changes your views of Monday. Like, even Sunday. Monday, even, even Sunday. Sundays. I don't, don't have, have Sunday no scaries. Sunday scaries. Yeah. No, and then I roll into Tuesday like a goddess. Yeah. Like, <laughs> on Tuesday morning, it's like, let's do this, bitch. I had a whole self-care day yesterday. Sometimes I'll go to the beach by myself yeah. and just spend the day at the beach. I, you know, I'll have appointments that I might schedule on that day sometimes or hang out with friends, mm-hmm. you know. Whatever it is that I'm doing, that day is for me. And I know that it's without my kids, and I know, and it's the only way that it can get without my kids right now is for them to be in school, or with their dad. And their dad. So what doesn't specifically take them a lot are right you now. thinking about in five years from now? You're just like literally going through and like planning what your day would be okay, like. Okay, so years from in now? five years from now, I'm traveling a lot because my work is taking me to lots of different places. Okay. So I'm probably visiting um, different places and, and doing a lot of talks. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll be giving a lot of speeches at lots of places and then giving demonstration groups afterwards. I'll be running a lot of retreats. I'll be holding a lot of events. I'll be doing a lot of speaking projects. So 
the person who I am then has to plan for all of these right. things. And the person who I am then has to understand that if I'm going to these places, then I need to make sure that I'm doing it at the right times. And by then, I'm going to have a 50-50 custody schedule right, with their right, dad. Right, right. So I'll have whole weeks at a time that I can go and do these things. And I can still be with my clients online on Zoom. So And I, and I have the ability to travel now and do that because I work with people all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so I know that by the time that I'm reaching this level in five years and I'm going around the world or around the country having these talks, that I have to book flights. I have to have all these things. So I'm going to need an assistant, Mm -hmm. you know? And so in five years, I need to plan that, like, how do I start figuring out what I need to have an assistant? What does that look like? How much does that cost? How much income do I need to have? So then I start planning all the things that I need to align for that future self okay. in five years who's doing all those things, hashtag goals. Wow. I'm making space for her now. I'm creating the life that I want now by looking at her and saying, like, how do I become more like you? Right, right, right. Every day. What about relationship-wise? What, what do you see in five years? I'm not years? worried about relationships. No, I'm not saying, I know. I, I haven't thought about word. it that much. I haven't thought about it I just, at all. Like that part I haven't thought about because I'm not prioritizing a yeah. relationship right now. When that time comes and I feel set up for her, which I'm working on right now, and I start to feel more set up for her and I, I need to launch the healing project. I'm hoping to get that done by the end of May. And okay. Gonna, now that I have this microphone, it's going to make it so yeah. much easier to finish that <laughs> last little bit. I'm almost done. I'm so close. Nice. It's just that microphone bit. But... um. Once I get that launched, then I'm going to have a whole, you know, passive income that can just flow in so that I can start focusing more right, on getting right. that part done. And then that part is done. And then everything is all set. The trajectory is on. Then I can start looking, you know, and if, if the universe wants to bring me something sooner, then fine. I'll, you know, I'll make space for it or whatever. It's fine. I'll integrate it. For right now, it's not part of my vision. I want to get into this, though, <laughs> because I'm curious. Tell me. What... What would the universe have to bring in for you to make space for it? What would that look like? If you just went off the cuff, like, could you just have a casual relationship with someone? Or does it have to be, like, something serious? Something, like, monogamous? Okay. This is a really good question to think about. So you're right. Like, I have thought about this part of it Mm -hmm. on some level. So for me, I would want somebody who was committed but casual enough. You know, like somebody who I really just energetically vibe with. Yes. Because that part's pretty easy to tell right away if that's a thing And it's necessary. Not. It really it's is. It's necessary. But I also have to be careful and mind myself because I'll, I'll vibe with abuse. Right. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, oh shit, I got to watch out for those red flags and actually pay attention to them. Because yeah. I ignored them again. I felt them. I was like, it's okay. It's just because it's him. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's it's what I'm talking about with I don't I know. trust myself. I know. Well, you know, I, I trust myself enough with other men. I've yeah. been able to just very quickly discern whether or not right off the bat, like, okay, this person. And it, it, you can do it very quickly by just you directing can. the conversation towards two or three yeah. main things. And it's about how they talk about other people, especially their exes. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if they talk about their exes, like, horribly there's a good chance. I'll tell you like one recent right swipe I did. I hardly ever swipe right on Tinder, but one recent right swipe was, it was this guy who said he was going through a cordial divorce. And I was just like, that's hot. 
Yeah. That's hot. Well, that's what, like, that's a, what like, Chuck and really I had. really still get along with we your had, I always said it was the most amicable divorce mm-hmm. of all time. I can't even believe we had a very friendly divorce. I mean, it was still painful. It was sad. And don't get me wrong. I know he was very hurt. And there's a lot of fucked up shit around what happened at the end of our relationship. And I take ownership of a lot of the shit that happened in our relationship. Yeah. I was, you know, this is hard for me to admit at this point in my life, Tiff. But, like, I recognize now how I was abusive to him then because you know like I realized that we all were, do th- yeah we all there do were it. moments where I look back and I was like I was gaslighting him mm-hmm. you know but how sometime. old were you too I was you in were, my 20s yeah. I was in my late teens and early 20s when I met him and was divorced from him by the time I was in my th- 30 I think I was 30 or so and so much of that teaches you it does. how to communicate with someone like like you learn right. but so he, much in that he also made space for it yeah you know so like some part of it like I know that on some level I was kind of like his mom mm-hmm. which is why he was drawn to me because I was wild like that a little bit like yeah. sweet but wild you know um but that was because I was untamed because of trauma. I was out of check, you know. Here's and I did what, some inappropriate things. I did what some I was really always uncomfortable things. with and so jealous of mm. was the light he held you in. I know. It was like you could do no wrong. That you was could the problem, do no though. wrong. And he I was like, on I pedestal. can't imagine having that kind of pressure. It was too much. Of being like everything a girl Things she wants. Everything you think a girl wants. Everything, everything. you could possibly imagine. Just it like was him. I would watch you guys, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I know he our sisters did better than any other. They looked at him just has. like that's exactly what I want. Yeah. And then you're in it, and it's just like, what the f-? like? This is too much. Well, I was messed up first of all. Yeah. So there was that. So I you almost trauma. feel like you have to pretend to be this severe person. anxiety, depression. You didn't know how to communicate. Like, I had no still idea. very fresh out of the house, basically. Yeah, the, still the, very like, all young that trauma. after spending my whole life in chaos. Your first, like, I would say real healthy relationship. Yeah, you I know? would say for sure. I mean, he was healthier than I was for sure, but he yeah. had trauma too. Right. And when his mom died, you know, he went through a lot of stuff too. And, um... He just, I feel like both of them are still with me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel their energy. Um, I remember one time his mother had come to me. I went to an event um, and there was a, a reader who was there who went up in front of everybody at the event and he was just calling people out and I was the first person who he called out. Wow. And my kids were with me and he started explaining to me that there's a woman here and she's talking about a camel and she was obsessed with camels. Oh. She had them all over her house. And when she, when he said that, he's like, there's a woman here and she's got a camel and she has a message for you. And she's telling me that what you've been going through, the end is in sight. You're almost at the end. Just keep going. And that was the point where I was leaving the kid's dad oh. and I was out of the abuse finally. And I broke down in tears oh in front my of my God. kids, in front of all of these people. I mean, it was a much more in-depth message. He, It was very clearly her. Yeah. And I called him. Or no, I sent him a text message because we were still friends yeah, after we yeah. got divorced. He was a wonderful person. We still talked. Not a whole lot, but we did yeah. communicate some. And I sent him a text message to tell him the story about how his mom had come to me. This reader had like shared this message. And I was like, it was very clearly your mother. <laughs> and uh, I realized it was on his wedding day. 
It was on the day oh, that he shit. had gotten married that I. So the universe is so messed up. It was the day he got remarried to Ellie, who's just a wonderful, shit. sweet. Like thank God for Ellie. I know. I know. Thank I God know. that she I came into that his life and took care of him in his last days. She was such an angel. Thank God. I thank God every day for her because she did what I couldn't do. She did everything that I couldn't do. And she came I, in at the right time. She came in at the right, right and time. And she just loved the shit out of and him. And that's what he needed. Yeah. That's what he needed. And I thank God every day for her. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I don't know her, I don't talk to her. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You don't she need to. Exactly. She's a beautiful human in my heart. And um, so, but yeah, just looking back at that time, I'm like, he was a good person. I went through a lot with him. He taught me a lot. And there were times where I was abusive to him, and I have to I have to hold that inside of me, and I have had to learn about what kind of a human I am. But it was because I was raised in that, you know. I didn't know any different. I didn't know any better. I didn't know what trauma was. I wonder too, like, I have to think that about my ex, but my ex is still alive, also. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's a, a different, different dynamic. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. sure you're forced once he died. You, you were probably forced to really see things yeah. differently. You well, know plus, I, mean? I hear him. He's with yeah. me. He's always <laughs> telling me shit. <laughs> and, I mean, he's still the same in death as he is in life. <laughs> you know, he's, his personality is yeah. very much ingrained in there. I still hear his voice, you know, and he still tells me things. I still know that he's with me. But know? to look from, and this was, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go into this, but it was... One of the main reasons I stopped coming home was because I had gone home and mom and Doug sat me down and they were just like telling me about how they went to talk to grandma and Popeye and they were just like, they'll never forgive Gretchen. And I was like, what do you mean they'll never forgive Gretchen for getting a divorce? And I was like, she's their granddaughter. Like, what do you mean they'll never, they're just like, they'll never forgive her. They, they'll just never. And I'm like, how are you just casually saying this to me? Like, She's, and I would just like, they would get mad because I would just defend the fuck out of you. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. our family, our family just talks shit about whoever's not there. Yes. That's what they do. That's what, That's they what do. they've always done. You know what I mean? And our so family like, is that I family. know when I wasn't around, everybody was talking shit about me. When you weren't around and Hillary, like. It, but they would Lawrence, talk about us behind our back yeah. that way. And we would not know because they would never tell us to our faces. Right. But they would think and believe these things. And everybody in the family would know this except us. Mm-hmm. And then we, would under, we wouldn't understand why we didn't feel loved and accepted in our family. Yeah. It's because everybody was secretly holding these things against you but not talking to exactly. you. Exactly. So you would catch these it. snippets. Yeah. And I was just like, how are you just okay with, like, right. we don't talk about the sisters that way. We don't talk about each other Not the that sisters. Way. No. Like, all the sisters in my eyes are innocent, and there will never be anything you guys could ever do wrong right. in my eyes. Like, yeah. because we were all the innocent babies in this. You know yeah. what I mean? They like, were the adults. There's no, there's nothing. <laughs> they don't take it, I mean, like, they won't even take accountability. That's the hardest part. Like, we had this estrangement with so many people in the family. Like, I can't talk to them because I hold them all so accountable and none of them will take accountability. And the worst part is, is that they perpetuate it. Like well, they, they defend them. They defend them. They defend and that's the why adults. That was and the day where I was just like, I, I can't come yeah. back here ever again. Yeah. Like this, I can't like for them to just sit there and act like that's just like, that's our family. They're just never going to forgive her. They, it's like, no, I like, I don't yeah. understand that kind the of mom love. is the abuser in mm-hmm. the story the whole time 
to everybody on his side of the family, which makes sense that he would, you know, portray it in that way. That's his perspective, right. of course, you know. But it was also just but like... nobody else's perspective matters no. except his, and that was hard. And then on mom's side of the family, for me, it doesn't mean that I don't love them, but the way that they live and the way that they choose to believe things and to project things onto how I should live my That's life it. because of them That's and it. their beliefs... Um, they, I can't, I can't, I can't bring my kids around that. I don't want to indoctrinate them in any of that. I don't want them to believe any of those like things. Like Doug was just like, they fooled us. They tricked us. They made us think they were so in love. And I'm just like, you think they're just like, they were just putting on this show for everybody yeah, because that's what they wanted to do. Like, I was very much in love with Chuck. I was like, this isn't about you. They just kept making it you about, about them. them. And it was just like, it completely took away any feelings that you had, any of your story. Like, nothing you could say was going to be right. good enough for them to well, hear. Chuck and I just Because they apart. adored Chuck so much. Well, Chuck there was a wonderful no, person, he understandably. Was. And he took very good care of me. But they, it's like but choosing him I, over you. You know well, what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like putting their but own how do you shit think, Why do you think mom could never get divorced? Yeah, I know. I know. I didn't care. I know. I was the black sheep of the family. You and I, yeah. we are all essentially all four of us are the black sheep of yeah. our family. And, um, but we just, I couldn't do it. And I was like, I didn't mean that I didn't love Chuck and we did stay friends, yeah. you know, on some level, but I was messed up. I had a lot of pain and anxiety inside of me from all the trauma that I was still living with that had zero awareness yeah. of at that point. And I was spilling it over onto him. And our relationship was suffering and we couldn't have children and he wouldn't go to the doctor, Tiffany. Yeah. He refused. <coughs> and then I would find out things like he was smoking cigarettes behind my back, mm -hmm. you know. And while I loved him, he had lung cancer. I'm like, right. I don't want and I would tell him, like, I don't want you to get cancer again. I don't want this to happen. I'm like, you won't go to the doctor, you won't do these things. How am I supposed to feel about that? And I was getting very health oriented, health conscious. I was getting my yoga certification. I stopped eating sugar. Mm -hmm. I was a vegan. Like we I was out riding my bikes every day. We were on completely like, different I was, we were, yeah, yeah, and he wanted to stay home all the time, mm -hmm. which was fine. But it's like we just grew apart in a lot of ways. And I just got to the point where it's like, we're never gonna have children. You're going to get sick and die, and I'm going to be alone without you. Yeah. And then the thing that killed me the most, Tiff, was afterwards, after the divorce, when he was diagnosed with cancer, and he died. I remember thinking, like, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. And then it did, and then I felt like it was my fault. You know, mm -hmm. I had to spend a lot of years really reconciling, like, it's my fault that he got cancer and died because I said he was going to get cancer and died or oh. something, you know? And it's just like... It was so hard. Which is natural when people Ugh. die, you blame yourself. You blame yourself. You know yourself. what I mean? That's, like, you yes. just find ways that, like, yeah. this was somehow, I could have prevented Ugh, this. There I'm, was something I could have done. Like, that's right. completely natural. But when it's someone you were that close to, I know. of course you're going to, well, like, really go into it on yourself. And I'll tell you what, I was devastated when Chuck died. I stayed in bed and cried for days. And I was with Victor oh, yeah. <laughs> during that time. I was with him. And I lived with him. And I would lay in my bed and just cry over the loss of him, over Chuck's death, you know? And I was crazy even then. I was still in a lot of trauma at that point and still staying and doing fucked up things, you know? Um so I well, just and plus the natural progression of changes you go through from your twenties to your thirties alone. True. Trying to like 
keep that it's so rare that people at that age stay together and actually like form a healthy bond that will keep going you know you're usually moving away from it you're changing so much during those years that it's just like it's very hard for relationships to get through that kind of stuff honestly like and a lot of people stay together because it's just a comfort thing that's part of it even because it's like or the trauma bond yeah (laughs) Like, this is a crazy I know I can handle. I don't know if I can handle the crazy that is out there. Or just being alone. Like, for a long time, just the thought of being alone was scary. And not only that, but, like, I was dependent in a lot of my relationships. I had a lot of codependency. And I still have codependency that I'm still working through. You didn't get your driver's license until you were... I was 23. This when I got favorite. my driver's license. Gretchen, Gretchen, <laughs> I was 23. Gretchen would just date guys who could drive. Yeah. Well, I mean, this I dated how. some guys with some nice cars <laughs> and some great stereo systems. You remember the kid who had, like, uh, the purple lights? And oh, these, I remember. Like, the neon lights in his trunk and the bass on his stereo that cranked so loud. I mean, it just felt like you were vibrating from the inside out. That was, but... like, back in the day. That was, like, I think so it was 16. Huge. Oh, oh it was my so God. Cute. It was, like, the hottest thing I ever. dated some very nice... But this is what you would do. Like, yeah. you would just date guys with cars who would just drive you anywhere you wanted to yeah. go at any point. Who would drive, like, an hour to come see you, an hour to go home. Look, and I can't help it if I attract <laughs> that kind of people who are willing to drive so that far like, for me. So you were just like, I don't have to get my license. And I'm just like, I never want to depend on anyone for anything. I'm getting well, my license at 16. Listen, also at 16, mom said that I wasn't allowed to get my license unless I got my grades up in school. Oh, <laughs> Because I got a D in like one of my classes because I just wasn't doing the homework. I just stopped giving a fuck after a certain age because I had so much responsibility. I was the oldest of all four of us, Tiffany. And you knew you had to take on quite a bit of responsibility too, but I took on the biggest. It was my job to keep everybody in line. It was my job to make sure everybody's jobs were being done. I did a lot of work in that house. And so like by the time that I got to school, I stopped giving a shit. Mom and dad never checked on anything. They never checked to make sure I did my homework. They never check to see anything you know so it was like I could just get away with it and then I'd come home with this report card and be like you have a D in this class <laughs> and I'm like, like I'm yeah I don't care I do not care they're like well you're not going to graduate and I'm like I fucking graduated on time everybody FYI and I'm a genius well I remember <laughs> you would be grounded so, but I would get grounded and, and you would sneak out the window like you were just I like I don't leave. give a fuck but I, I didn't care I was rebellious but also, I lived in trauma and abuse, so mm-hmm. like that's natural for kids to become rebellious. So by the time I was in high school, I stopped doing homework, and she said, you're not allowed to get your driver's license until you get your grades up. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get my grades sense. up. And I just rebelled. and just I Then I stopped caring even more. And you're stopped just like, I'll find more. other ways. I'll find, like, and I'll I got other ways, other. and people drove me everywhere. And she would still <laughs> give me money. She would still give me money. <laughs> Here you go, Gretchen. Here's 20 bucks. Go have fun, and I would go, and I would leave, and yeah, and until I was 23, because I got a job. We were living in Florida, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to get my driver's license in Florida. (laughs) And the way people drive down there, I was like, God, I I learned defensive driving. I'm an excellent driver. I paid very little in insurance because I have such a great driving record. Was it stick shift, too? Oh, yeah. It was that little neon. I think we had this. No, I had the black. Oh, he had the probe. The probe. The black the probe. probe. And that's, I learned how to drive was on it his stick car. Shift? It was a stick shift. And all my cars ever since then have been a stick shift except one. And the one that I have now is still a stick shift. And I can't get rid of it because I love it so much and they're so hard to come by. Do you know where Chuck taught me how to drive stick shift? No, tell me. 
that super fucking steep hill by our oh, house. Oh, <laughs> do you remember when I took Dad's truck and I couldn't get it out of there that one no. time? No. Oh, I can't remember who was with me, but I was on that one hill right there. <laughs> Right off of the bypass. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. And I just kept sliding down. And eventually somebody <laughs> came outside. And was like, hey, why don't you let me help you? Because they sat there and watched me go. Move. And nobody was behind us because nobody uses that little 10-inch road. It's so know. short. But like, so nobody came up behind us. So I just kept going up and down and up and down and having to restart the car. That's what and I did. Down. He's cracking up. He's loving uh, it. I'm like, shut up. Take me somewhere real. And he's like, no, keep trying to get up the top. Once you get that, you'll know he how to drive stick shift. Too. Yes. <laughs> and I know uh, how to drive stick shift. Now I know how to drive it. Exactly. I will. I, and I still fall, stall out every now and then, but yeah. I'm. Every car. It's so fun, though. There's so, so much fun. fun. There's so I can't imagine not being in control of my car. Plus, I downshift a lot. Yeah. I downshift when I'm going down hills instead of using my brakes and stuff. So, like, yeah. It's so fun. It is fun. It is. But, oh, my gosh. Wow, this has been an interesting... How long have we been going here? Hour and a half. <laughs> How long are your shows usually? Like, this About long? About an hour. Yeah. Okay. I just think this is pretty good. <laughs> we covered a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, you think? I think we talked about just everything under the sun, except basically like anything. I don't know. I don't know. Anything normal people talk, talk about? about. We talked. That's exactly right. We had a, we had one of our conversations, a not regular human conversation. And this is where it goes. It goes about. all over the place. It does. This is our lives. Um, do you yeah. want to drop your socials? Just yeah. like where people can reach you and stuff. Absolutely. Do a couple plugs. Um, sure. Find me. I'm at uh, Gretchen Lakshmi. Lakshmi. L-A-K-S-H-M-I. Gretchen Lakshmi. And um, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I don't love Facebook, but I'm there. I'll appear. <laughs> Instagram, you're my peeps. I love you. I love everybody. I love all my people, but I love Instagram. It's just a better platform overall. So I spend more time there. And then you can also find me at GretchenLakshmi.com if you want to look into booking any sort of energy work. I do tarot readings. I do empowered trauma release sessions because I'm a somatic release specialist, a trauma specialist. I'm trained. I'm not just coming at you with just hypothetical shit. I have <laughs> a whole bunch of education behind it to support what I'm doing. And we should look for the Healing Project dropping soon. Then? The Healing Project, I'm okay. hoping by June, should be live nice. and ready to go. And now um, finishing that up. So. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for doing this. I love the shit out of you. I love the shit out of you. <laughs> I don't oh know God. where I would be without you. In I would my be life, lost honestly. without you, Tiffany. I like, would be lost. It's a dark place to think about that. I don't want the world without you. <laughs> you can never die. <laughs> We're going to grow up to be like these two old ladies living in the house with a billion cats, billion cats. <laughs> and just doing all kinds of witchy stuff all day every day. Goals. Basically. Goals. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>